Welcome to another episode of the Avatar Like Italians podcast. Happy New Year, everybody! With your surely your good host Jai Shields here on this Tuesday, January the fourth, the year two thousand and twenty-two, as we recap the happenings of Week Seventeen of the National Football League. You know where I'm going to begin this wonderful program here at the top. I will give you my two cents on the Antonio Brown mess. Rams coming in the boat, coming into my uh, city to take care of business against the Ravens. The Titans are back-to-back AFC South champions. The uh, ending the Miami Dolphins winning streak. We'll get into that. The Raiders have an opportunity to get the seventh seed in AFC with uh, beating the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. We'll get into that. The Patriots are back in the playoffs for the first time since 2019. A short two years ago, we will get into them and their shellacking of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Eagles, believe it or not, clinch a fourth playoff appearance within the last five seasons. We'll get into Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, and them later in, uh, in excuse me a little bit later on in the program. Cardinals beat the Cowboys to get back on track as far as the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury are concerned. The Packers lock up the one seed in the NFC on Sunday Night Football. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's final final Monday Night Football game of his career. His final home game as the Pittsburgh Steelers took place on Monday Night. Well, we'll get, we will get into that. We will get into Baker Mayfield and Cleveland Browns. Lots to do jam-packed show, and you better believe where I'm going to be where I'm going to begin this first show of the 2022 calendar season as we head down the home stretch of the 2021 NFL regular season. And I, let me let me let me just take take a moment. Let me take a moment to say this, okay? To say this. Who day? 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 Who they say gonna beat them bagels? Who day? Who day? Who they say gonna beat them bagels? Nobody! Yes, sir! How about my Cincinnati Bengals? Who, listen, prove yours truly wrong. I was on record. You can find it. I didn't delete the tapes. I didn't hide the tapes. You can you can find it. I uploaded the rant on this on my Twitter feed, my Instagram feed, the, on uh, on this part of the podcast show that we did. Uh, I can find the exact date if you if you wish of me ripping and destroying this football team. After their loss to the San Francisco 49ers, what three and a, what three three and a half weeks ago? Uh, matter of fact, I'll even I'll even do you a favor. Uh, episode that was on. Um, let's see, we can find the episode for you on December the fifteenth, titled Bank, "The Bungles Are Dead." Why I said that's it. Their season's over, season's finished, they're not making the playoffs, Zach Taylor, I've had enough of him, he needs to go, 
I basically, I, I wrote them off, saying, you know what, improvement season from 2020, there's still a lot of things left to be improved, left to be improved on. Offensive line, they're in, they can be inconsistent. They come out of the gate slow. Zach Taylor with his conservative play calling and and, and the arrogance in a post game press conference saying nobody wants to play us. And I and I was right at that moment in time when that episode came out on December fifteenth. I was right because at that point in time. They had proven me right. The fact that Zach Taylor, his conservative play calling and not attacking the 49ers secondary in the game and being hell-bent to run the football, taking the, bro out of Joe, taking the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands in the overtime period when I got inside the red zone during their opening possession of the overtime game against San Francisco, him having the chutzpah, the temerity, and the nerve to say in the postgame, nobody wants to play us when you, when your season is literally hanging in the balance and and it, the thoughts were swirling around of you ma- of you possibly not making the playoffs. But then, this team has been a completely different football team since that game against San Francisco in mid-December. This is a team that has totally turned it around. You go to the Denver Bronco game, all right? Denver Bronco game, they finally win their first game since September 30th against Jacksonville, having won a football game scoring less than 30-31 points. They won won the game by the final score of 15-10. Defense was absolutely outstanding. Joe Burrow made two excellent throws that ended up being a difference maker in the game, both of whom the Tyler Boyd. Of course, he had the 60-plus yard touchdown, which was the Bengals' only uh, touchdown of the game in the second half. And then you also you want to go back prior to the end of the first half of when Joe Burrow threw an absolute dime in between the numbers to Tyler Boyd to set up uh, Evan McPherson to kick the uh, to kick the uh, the Bengal the kick the uh, record breaking I believe it was either 55 or 58 yard uh, field goal to put the Bengals in a situation where they go into halftime of the Denver Bronco game with a little bit of, with a little bit of momentum. Then you look ahead to the next week to the highly anticipated Raven game with the division with the uh, division essentially hanging in the balance. The opportunity to sweep the Ravens for the first time in quite a while, get a little bit of a comeuppance of the fact that the Ravens had, did, had you know, since uh, since the since their second matchup of the 2018 season, where the where the where the Ravens have just pushed and had their way with the Bengals since uh, since the game after AJ Green's three first half touchdown performance on that Thursday night week 2 of the 2018 season that September had an opportunity to get even with the Ravens sweep the season sweep the season series of of, of uh, Baltimore and win the and win the uh, Bengals first uh, home game against the Ravens uh, since that 2018 game, since that 2018 Thursday night game when AJ Green uh, caught the three touchdown passes in the first half, 
uh, and had an opportunity to uh, to strike back and and uh, and kind of get their revenge. And the Bengals went out doing so. And Joe Burrow had a career day. Yes, I you know I got it here for the nine thousandth time. The Ravens had a JV second, had a JV defense. Their team was injured to Helen back. No Lamar Jackson, no Tyler Huntley. I get that. But then they came into Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon against the big, bad, back-to-back AFC champion, Super Bowl champion, uh, one year removed, or excuse me, two seasons removed, and Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Andy Reid, Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and the Kansas City Chiefs came into Baltimore, which I told you, Heading into this game was a huge, huge, huge advantage on the on the fact on uh, Cincinnati's behalf. Uh, you know, won back to back games to at that point in time nine and six on the season. Their seat, their uh, home season finale at Paul Brown Stadium with the division on the line. You win the game. You you clinch a playoff berth. You win your division for the first time since 2015. You get yourself your first uh, double digit win season since that 2015 year. You guarantee yourself at least one more home game at Paul Brown two weeks from uh, two weeks from that day on January the second. Uh, and you also, uh, you know, shock the world and essentially send a message to the rest of the football world that the Bengals, you know, if you if you would have won that game, it sent the message to the entire NFL that you could be a sleeper Super Bowl contender once we start playoff action a week uh, a week from Saturday, a week from this upcoming Sunday, the eighth and the ninth. And what did the Bengals do? Well, they they they. Did their best, to say the least, to keep up with Kansas City in the first half. You know, I tweeted out after Mahomes, after Mahomes threw that. Excuse me, through the first touchdown pass of the afternoon. I said, "All right, guys, you knew you knew it wasn't going to be a defensive slugfest. You knew you weren't going to be able to to uh, to shut them out. It's about keeping your composure, staying focused, stay locked in with your game plan, make adjustments on the fly." Keep the faith and go out there and stick with Kansas City and and take this football game from them, and and it was just a it was just an absolutely phenomenal job. The Bengals down fourteen nothing needed that needed that an absolutely phenomenal play by Jamar Chase after they went punt after they went back to back drives and they punted. Um, and I think that was a that was a poor decision by Zach Taylor uh, with 12:07 in the first quarter. You got the ball at your own 32-yard line, fourth and one, and you know and going up against Mahomes in Kansas City, deciding to punt there. I vehemently disagreed with that decision, especially when they almost, especially when they almost. Uh, when uh, when they initially got it on the third and five in Kansas City Challenge, that was an excellent decision, an excellent call to, to uh, challenge that play by Andy. I would have kept, I would have used that extra time during the replay to to draw up a good game plan to go for it on fourth and one. They did not do so. They decided to punt the ball. Kansas City started at their own twenty eight yard line, uh, five plays, seventy two yards. Mahomes and company goes down the field. Mahomes to uh, Demarcus Robinson to put Kansas City up seven nothing. Cincinnati gets the ball back, uh, four plays, sixteen yards punt. That Kansas City goes down the field, scores a touchdown. Mahomes to Kelsey, and it's like, oh, here we go again. It's going to be you know Travis Kelsey returning to the city 
uh, you know, where he uh, had his college career. Best, I, I told you guys for weeks about how much I was worried about Travis Kelsey going to destroy the living hell out of the Bengals' defense after what George Kittle and Mark Andrews did to us back in uh, back in mid late December. What Mark Andrews did the week uh, the week prior, and what uh, George Kittle did about three about three weeks ago prior to that. You know, I was I was telling you, I was worried sick that Travis Kelsey is going to go out there, and I, you know, all throughout leading up to the game, I was saying facetiously, tongue in cheek, I'm like, Travis Kelsey is going to break uh, Shannon Sharp's single game receiving yards record, and uh, if you look at the Travis Kelsey stat line, outside of that one touchdown that he had, he really didn't do a hell of a lot uh, in the game. As if you go and look at Travis Kelsey's box score, five receptions, 25 yards, one touchdown. If you would have told me last Tuesday that Travis Kelsey was going to was only was going to catch five passes for a mere twenty five yards and the, and the one touchdown he got in the first quarter would be the only time he would reach Painter, I'd have, I'd have had you drug tested. I would have had you drug tested. Now I was full aware that they that that they uh, were going to have Logan Wilson come back. That was a tremendous, tremendous boost to the Bengals' defense and their linebacking core of getting Logan Wilson back, the linebacker that they drafted in the second round of the 2020 draft out of Wyoming, who's had an absolutely phenomenal season for us thus far. Next thing you know, Kansas City's up 14-0, and that's when I tweeted. I said, guys, 14-0. You don't score a touchdown on this drive you, you'll blink and it'll be 21 nothing. Hole will be too, too, uh, too deep to dig yourselves out of and it'll be game over. And then, you know, Kansas City goes down the field, seven plays, 63 yards, and then all of a sudden, second and seven at the 28 yard line, Jamar Chase catches, Jamar Chase runs a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal out route, catches it, makes one guy miss, and then it's off to the races. Hey, I mean, that touchdown, that catch, that play call, that throw by bro, that catch from Chase, that run after the run after the catch from Chase, couldn't have came at a couldn't have that that could have been more that couldn't have been drawn up better and could have been more better time for that situation in that game if if you tried. I mean that is exactly what the football doctor ordered on that drive for Cincinnati. That is fourteen seven defense can't get a stop. You know the, the Kansas City goes down the field uh, for what. Uh, uh, four straight drives after the Bengals force them to go three and out in their opening possession, and next thing you know, it's uh, next thing you know, it's twenty-one seventeen Kansas City. And what do the Bengals? Then what do the Bengals do? They march down the field. They march down the field themselves. Burrow finds Jamar Chase to make an excellent catch towards the right, towards the uh, Kansas City sideline in the end zone. It's twenty-one. It's uh, it's twenty-one fourteen Kansas City. Kansas City, what do they do? Mahomes and company, you know they're going to be able to make plays. 28-14. Cincinnati gets the ball, Cincinnati gets the ball back with 2.18 to go in the second quarter. They march down the field, get to Kansas City's 28-yard line. They can they uh they convert. They convert a third and. They convert a uh, a third and four to keep the drive alive. To move the ball to the Kansas City side of the field at the Kansas City's 42 yard line. Bro uh, throws an incomplete pass. Throws an incomplete pass. 
Antenna for CJ Uzama. Drive stalls out. Uh, drive stalls out. Kansas, the Cincinnati kicks a field goal to go 28-17, and it go kicks the field goal to go up. Excuse me, to be behind Kansas City only by 11. A drive that I believe was was you know it was a situation where it was like Cincinnati. You gotta capitalize. You when Kansas City scores, you gotta score. And I don't mean score as in field goals. I mean I mean scoring touchdowns. And, you know, I was like, oh, we got to go 28. Well, here, Burrow's going to get the ball back. 218 left to go. Run the two-minute drill. It's going to be 28-21 at halftime. We get the ball to start the second half. Drive stalls out. Cincinnati kicks a field goal. Then Kansas City Then Kansas City gets the ball back. Pringle goes 89 yards to the house, except it gets nullified by a stupid, stu- from a Kansas City perspective, a stupid, 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 Mind-boggling, idiotic penalty to bring to bring Pringles touchdown back, which would have made it essentially uh, what would have made it essentially 35-17 Kansas City going into the break. Instead, it gets nullified, brings Kansas City all the way back to the 16-yard line. Patrick Mahomes scrambles to his right, unloads a deep bomb to Tyree Kill, who had a absolutely putrid football game by his by his standards and what we've been accustomed to seeing from him in game in games and he's had a rocky season to begin with anyway all season long he hasn't been uh he hasn't been his usual self it's almost like you know he's it's almost as if he's been uh he hasn't been the same since Antoine Winfield, you know, mocked him in the Super Bowl and did the and did his old his old you know his uh, his classic uh, peace sign number on him uh, in the super, in the in the Super Bowl during that blow late in the uh, late in the fourth quarter back in uh, February of last year. But ha- but having said all of that, Mahomes unloads a deep bomb down the field to Tyree Kill. If Tyree Kill catches that. Kansas City at minimum goes into that goes into the break up 31-17. They put the ball in the end zone as 35-17. What happens? Tyreek and and it was a blown coverage by Von Bell. Von Bell who didn't commit a penalty, you know, thank God, which you know, it'll be he couldn't have committed a penalty because I because it wasn't until a literally a, a second the ball was in Tyree Kill's hands for for a good second and a half, two seconds, where Von Bell finally realized where Tyree Kill was on the field and and swatted the ball out of his hands. Now Tyree Kill has to catch that, but my goodness gracious! I mean, you look at the play. Von Bell is back uh, when when the ball is is thrown up into the air. When the ball is thrown up into the air, Von Bell has no idea where the heck Tyree Kill is and has no clue where the ball is in the air. Back is towards Mahomes, and there's about and there's about a, a good four and a half yards of separation to allow Tyree Kill to catch the ball, and then at the last possible second, Von Bell knocks it out of his hands. That was a that was the defensive play. Of the fur of the first half of that game from a Cincinnati perspective, because again he catches that he holds on to it. Kansas City at minimum goes into the break up 31-17, or best case scenario from a Chiefs perspective, they go they go into halftime up set up uh, 17 18 points. And if you're Cincinnati, or if you're you're truly sitting on his couch in, in the Baltimore in the greater Baltimore area watching the game. You know, you go, well, I guess, I guess, you know, I guess today ain't it, boys. You know, try to win a division next week against Cleveland. But instead, Von Bell knocks it away. 
Kansas City can't move the ball that can you know can't move the ball past their 25 yard line. It goes into the half. Kansas City up 11 when it could have been up 18 points or could have been up 14 points. Goes into the half 28-17. Cincinnati gets the gets the ball started at the start of the uh, third quarter and then on third and four. Jamar, Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase for the third time on the afternoon finds Jamar Chase on absolutely brutal. Br- I mean, my, I, 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 I tell you something right now. If I was a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I, I, I want, I wanted to throw, I wanted to throw my television remote at the TV or throw the television at the. I wanted to throw. If I was a Kansas City Chiefs fan watching the third touchdown by Chase on that play, I, I wanted to either throw the TV out the window or throw my phone or the remote at the window. Because if you're, because if you were a Kansas City Chiefs fan on that third and four to begin the second half, Burrow to uh, Burrow to Chase for the third time, you, 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 you were fuming. Fuming. How in the world Daniel Sorengen, I, I always mispronounce, is, is Sorengen Swanson, whatever the hell his name is. How in the world he get, he he gets duped and blows coverage to allow Jamar Chase to be wide the heck open down the left sideline and catch the ball with nobody near him. I mean, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. And I understand that, that, that during this nice little eight-game winning streak, now they've now, during this nice little eight-game win streak, you know, and, and when I called in the dog, he kind of did remind me that, that the defensive performance from Kansas City was a little overrated because you, because you go back since the... Uh, the can't since their last loss prior to Sunday on the 24th of October. You know the Giants are one of the worst offenses in football. They held them to 17 points. They went up against an Aaron Rodgers less uh, Green Bay Packers team. They only held them to seven. Uh, the Raiders were without uh, Henry Ruggs at this point in time when they played them on November the 14th. They held them to 14 points. Uh, you know Dallas, okay, fine. Da- you know Dallas is very inconsistent. They can score points, but all right, you held Dallas to nine points. Denver is one of the worst offensive teams in the sport. You held them to nine points. Uh, Vegas, again, you kicked it behind in Vegas. You're going to do the same thing uh, with them as well. Again, their offense very, you know, has not been the same since Henry Ruggs got himself in trouble back in early November. You know, and then and then against a halfway decent defense that you did play back on uh, December the 16th, he gave up 28 points to the Chargers on the road. The Steelers' offense is inept. We know that. You only allowed 10 points. They are meaning. 10 points meant nothing, and they gave up 34 points to one of the best offenses in all of football. So when I called in the dog, the you know to to uh, to uh, rain in 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 Bengal glory on Monday afternoon, he did remind me of Jai. Got to take it easy because this little because this little uh, stretch run the Chiefs defense has been on essentially over the last. Uh, two months and a half is a little overrated because of the because of the offenses that they went and the quarterbacks that they went up against was all being fair. But I mean, it it, it it was it was like watching the September and the October Kansas City Chiefs all over again defensively on Sunday. I mean, Daniel Sorensen again. I mean, that guy is a freaking liability out there at the safety position. I mean, if I had a nickel for every blown assignment for every 
big play, every big play touchdown that he's given up this season. I mean, I'd be, I'd be, rolling, I'd be rolling enough money where I could afford, you know, a, a, a sweet ticket at Paul Brown for the wild card game coming up in two weeks. I mean, it was just, how in the world you blow that, uh, blow that assignment? I have absolutely no idea. And, and just do not, and just Chase, who absolutely destroyed you in the first half, but he had, he had scored two touchdowns and had over 100 yards receiving in the first half alone. And he gets burned like that. I mean, my goodness gracious me. I mean, and then this also, again, is why I can't take Steve Spagnuolo seriously to be a big-time defensive coordinator. I mean, all, all, I, all I needed to see was Sunday's game against my Bengals. And I will never forget, you know, the Super Bowl where everybody was like, oh, well, the Chiefs are going to take care of Brady and the Bucks because Spagnuolo was a, was a defensive coordinator for the Giants in 07, and they only held the league's high-flying, record-breaking offense that year, the 07 Patriots. They only held them to the only held on to 14 points and blah 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 I'm like guys I could kill us what he did with the Giants you know 14 15 years ago all right I, what I care about what I care about is is he going to be able to stop Gronk that's what I care about is, is he is he going to be able to stop Gronk that's what I care about. And then, and lo and behold, and lo and behold, what happens? His defense got ambushed, and it was the Brady Rob Gronkowski show all night long uh, back in February. Uh, what? What was that? February seventh uh, of uh, of twenty twenty one. But anyway, I digress. Bengals score a touchdown to get to get them back to within a score twenty eight twenty four. Bengals forced Kansas City to a three and out. Their first stop, Kent, they've gotten that, you know, not counting the one that closed out the end of the first half, but the first stop they got all, uh, from Kansas City's offense since their opening drive. Bengals get the ball back, convert a couple of fourth downs, which I thought were excellent decisions by Zach Taylor to go for on fourth and one. You know, they, uh, they go for it on fourth and one, which he ended up getting, putting the ball into Kansas City plus territory. They, the offense stalls out. They got a punt it, bro, gets sacked. Uh, fourth and 17, Kansas City punts, or excuse me, that gives Kansas City the ball back. Kansas City punts again. Cincinnati gets the ball back again. Uh, gets the ball back again. Tw- uh, gets the ball back t- down uh, 28-24 still at this point. Early in the fourth quarter, Bengals had not had the lead all afternoon long until Joey B and company, and we'll get to him in a minute, marches down the field, gives the ball off to Tyler Boyd, who I've been screaming essentially since the Denver Bronco game. You get him more involved in the offense, greater things will occur. And lo and behold, Tyler Boyd catches the go-ahead touchdown pass with 11.44 to go in the fourth quarter and gives Cincinnati their first lead of the afternoon. Kansas City, you knew Kansas City was going to respond. Mahomes and company marched right down the field and the defensive play of the afternoon the defensive play of the first half was the Von Bell punch out the defensive play of the second half and of the entire game was a phenomenal job by Lou Anarumo sending that all-out blitz uh, making Mahomes essentially look you got exactly one second to make up your mind what you're going to do with the football because we're coming and when Kansas City's got six and you're sending seven or or, or, or Kansas City's you know blocking six and you're sending eight the, you know, it's, it's, it's shades of Super Bowl 55 all over again what happens Lou Anarumo calls a tremendous play they send the heat 
forces Patrick Mahomes to, you know, the play doesn't even develop where Mahomes is unless he takes a sack and make it a dip more difficult field goal for Harrison Bucker. He chucks the ball towards the sideline, forces Kansas City to a field goal, ties the game up at 31-31 apiece. And then, and then the biggest play on the afternoon, and this is why I cannot listen to any Chief fan, any Chief apologist, Brittany Mahomes, I'm talking to you. I, I can't listen to anybody, anybody. Sit up here and moan and groan and scream and yell about the the officiating was ticky tacky and was rather suspect all afternoon on both sides. Cincinnati got benefit from a couple calls all game long. Uh, we damn sure know Kansas City benefits from piss poor officiating as they did all game long. So the officiating was horse crap on both sides. But that's been a that's but that's been a story of this entire 2021 NFL season, you know, as King Solomon once said back in the, you know, in biblical days, ain't nothing new underneath the sun. Which is why, and, and this play, this play, which was the, the offensive play, and if not the play of the afternoon, for your defense, Kansas City, who all I heard about essentially was the second coming of, uh, uh, you know, of your, of your, uh, you know, of your Defensive days under Marty Schottenheimer and a defense during your 1969 championship. All I heard about was the Kansas City defense. This Kansas City defense. That Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, uh, Frank Clark, Steve Spagnuolo was Vince Lombardi. Uh, he he he's Buddy Ryan. All I heard about was 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 your dopey Kansas City Chief defense. Oh, can you can Spagnuolo or Tyron Matthew or Daniel Sorensen? Or, uh, or or Frank Clark, can somebody explain to me why and why on God's green earth you decided to send an all-out blitz, a zero blitz on third and twenty-seven, and gave up a third and twenty-seven, a third and twenty-seven. I don't care what Brittany Matthews, Brittany Matthews can tweet and can scream and yell from the rooftops until she's blue in the face. I could care less one ear and out the other. A, she's got, A, she doesn't know when to shut the hell up to begin with anyway. And B, she has no idea what you're talking about. When your defense has been a sieve all afternoon. I mean, I was going to save a stat line for later on the, for later on in the segment, but let me read it to you. Jamar Chase caught 11 passes for 266 yards. That's a franchise record. A franchise record. 11 receptions, 266 yards, and three touchdown catches. And your defense, you know, who all of us, who, who we were told for about two and a half months was the second coming of the 2000 Ravens, gives up a third and 27. I can't listen to, nor do I want to listen to you screaming, yelling, moaning, groaning on your little Twitter page that, that you got screwed by the, by the officiating. Nonsense. Third and twenty-seven. You, you you put you listen. You've put Burrow essentially on his tail about four times. He's the most sacked quarterback in the National Football League. Their offensive line, all due respect to them for Cincinnati, is not exactly the nineteen nineties Hogs offensive line with the Redskin with those Redskin teams back in the early nineties. Okay, this offensive line has improved since last year. That ain't saying much. Your defense got after got after Burrow plenty. Hell, he had to put. 
played the majority of the fourth quarter without his freaking nameplate. Chris Jones was coming after him so much. So, I mean, please. Third and 27, and, and Steve Spagnuolo with Shannon Sharp, excellent point on Undisputed on Monday, saying, coaching to your ego, this is what we do, this is what we do, with the all-out blitz nonsense. Hey, Steve, third and 27, when Jamar Chase has cooked you all afternoon long with the single coverage, maybe it's not the time on third and 27 with the game tied at 31 apiece to send an all-out blitz. When Jamar Chase has done nothing but smoked your bacon. All afternoon. And I got to hear about, you know, from Brittany Matthews, you know, that, that loud math. Instead of talking about soft officiating and blimmy officiating. Bullcrap. Get off the field on 3rd and 27. You get up a 3rd and 27, you, ha you have no business winning the football game. I don't, I don't, I don't care how piss poor the officiating is. You give up a third and twenty-seven, you have no business winning the game. If your defense, which again I heard on and on and on and on and on for the last two and a half months about how great your defense is, they can't get off the field on third and twenty-seven against a second-year QB with a rookie wide receiver that's torched your bacon all afternoon. You know what? You don't deserve to win a football game, and you don't deserve to have the one seed in the AFC. Let's just clear that up right now. Single coverage, mono a mono, Jamar Chase smokes him. Fenton, the cornerback, the, the, the Chase destroyed him all afternoon. Destroyed him. Killed him. Again, franchise record, 266 receiving yards. He has 1,429 receiving yards this season. Most by a rookie in the Super Bowl era. He is not breaking not just Bengals franchise records. He's breaking NFL records against your defense. And this cat's a rookie who set out last season. And I got to listen to Brittany Matthews screaming and moaning about, about, about ref ball. Really? It's funny. When, when, it, when the Chiefs defense plays like crap, like they did on Sunday, like they did in the Super, the Super Bowl, it's, it's the ref's fault. Was there dubious officiating? Yes. But the refs didn't give up a third and 27. The Chiefs defense did. Steve, Steve Spagnuolo did. With that asinine decision to send an all-out blitz. When, when, when the entire stadium knew you were sending the heat. And, and Burrow knew. Well, you know, he, said, he said it in the post game. You know, like that old meme. F it. You know, Jamar's down there somewhere. Just give me a second and a half. And a ball's going to be out of my hands and into his. And that, that was the play of the afternoon. That 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 once once that once Jamar Chase somehow some way hauled in that pass down the right down the far sideline, I I chuckled to myself. I said I said this is unbelievable. I said and I, and and, it, and, it was, and it, as soon as he caught that ball, I'm like I said I said out loud this is unbelievable. And in the back of my mind, I'm like we're winning this game. Like we we are winning we are winning this game. Final score, 34-31.
And how about the cojones on Zach Taylor? I mean, my goodness gracious. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I, I killed him. Rightfully so. Killed him for taking the ball out of Burrow's hands again in the overtime against San Francisco. And he had very dubious play calling where he wasn't as aggressive as he should have been way back in the Packer game in mid-October. But how about the cojones on him? Deciding to go for the gusto, go for the touchdown going for it. You know, in the, in the you know in the you know on 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 those third and fourth and goals like that. Now now the more and more he kept doing it, I got more and more nervous. I'm like, all right, Zach, I appreciate the aggressiveness, but you're leaning on the lines of uh, foolish of of being foolish and being reckless than you are being aggressive trying to win the game. Luckily, it worked out. The Bengals drew the illegal hands to the face penalty to give them. A uh, refresh of downs. Evan McPherson kicks the chip shot field goal. Bengals win their first division title since uh, 2015. Joe Burrow. I mean, Mike. I mean, how about listen? You know, for all you and you know who you are. You know, Bart Sky who had a lot to say. Mark Schlereth who has nothing else better to do. Well, I'll take the Bengals seriously when they win a playoff game. Hey, stink. How about shutting shutting up and letting the Bengals fans have their moment? Okay, really? I mean, you really have to you really have to be that much of a douchebag, excuse my French, to rain on Bengals fans parade. Oh, they haven't won a playoff game since 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 uh, they haven't won a playoff game since the 1990. Oh yeah, well, your old squad in the Denver Broncos has been a freaking laughing stock since Super, since Super Bowl 50 ever since Peyton Manning decided to hang them up. But you don't see me but you don't see me bringing that up. So it, it's just be mature, be adult about it. Let us have our moment. How you doing? Keep it moving. Shut the hell up and just let us have our moment, please. That's the first thing. Bart Scott, you know, there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a red mark. That's a target on Burrow's back. You know, the fox with the sour grapes on get up because he humiliated his Baltimore Ravens squad. I mean, Bart Scott, you know, can you maybe put a sock in it too? You also that's on television getting paid a fortune and got to have nothing to say. How about you put a sock in it too, Bart? I mean, please. Who did absolutely nothing with the, with the Ravens during his first stint there? Put a sock in it, Bart, will you please? You know, all I heard, well, they went up against a practice squad Raven defense. They're all the guys on IR. They're injured. JV squad. All right, well, I mean, I'm, I, I understand I, I may not know everything, and I don't know anything in a lot of people's minds, but, I mean, Kansas City was running an eight-game winning streak. They were, at least by their standards, were had one of the best defenses in football throughout their uh, at the time current eight game win streak. And Joe, Bur- and by the way, a team that has been to back to back Super Bowls has played in three straight AFC Championship games. Uh, a Super Bowl champion team. A lot of those guys from that 2019 team were still on that team uh, two seasons later. And uh, Joe Burrow, coming off of ACL surgery, only had nine incompletions, 30 or 39, threw for 446 yards, four touchdown passes, and not a single turnover. Uh, and, and, And for you Raven fans out there, the Fox, the Sour Grape Raven fans out there that were, you know, had their panties in a twist because Joe Burrow damn near dropped 50 on your asses, uh, how about 971 passing yards, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions in his last two games? 
He's nearly thrown for over 1,000 yards in back-to-back games. Eight touchdown passes, no interceptions. I mean, he he has the most passing yards in a season, 4,611. That's a Bengals franchise record. The most 300-plus yard passing games in a single season. He did it in six games. That's a Bengals franchise record. The most passing touchdowns in a single season at 34. That is a franchise record. Furthermore, Jamar Chase, the most receiving yards in a game, 266 uh, for a rookie. That's an NFL record, not a franchise, but an NFL record. Most receiving yards in a game, 266. That's the most in the history of the Bengals franchise. And an NFL record of the most receiving yards in a single season with 1429. Fair to say my Cincinnati Bengals are uh, pretty damn good. And also, Jamar Chase, the youngest player in NFL history with 200-plus receiving yards and at least three receiving touchdowns in a single game. The only other 21-year-olds at the time to do that, Randy Moss in 98, Thanksgiving against Dallas, and Jerry Butler. Look him up, 1979. Oh, and oh, by the way, Joe Burrow, first-ever quarterback, 400-plus passing yards and four-plus touchdowns and no interceptions in back-to-back games. Brady has not. Brady's never done that. Manning's never done that. Breeze has never done that. Montana's never done that. Bradshaw's never done that. Aikman's never done that. Uh, Starbucks never done that. Uh, um, ben Roethlisberger's never done that. Uh, you think uh, Dan Marino's never done that. Jim Kelly's never done that. Otto Graham, Sammy Ball, Bart Starr, they've never done it. Joe Burrow has. All you need to freaking know. And oh, by the way, and it kind of got lost in the shuffle too. The Bengals... And I'm, and I'm the only one who would care about this, so take it for what it's worth. Finished the season undefeated in their orange alternate jerseys this season. They also, uh, they also, for the first time in the Zach Taylor era, managed to win three games in a row. Every opportunity throughout the season, the Bengals have had to put together a three-game winning streak. They've come up short. Fair to say they, they they couldn't have picked a better time to win their third one in a row against a better opponent with 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 the circumstances on the line. With more with with more with more circ with more higher circumstances on the line. Phenomenal. First winning season since 2015. First 10 plus win season since 2015. First division championship since 2015. First playoff berth since 2015. Now you sit up here and tell me, nice season. I don't, you know, where do you see you got? Where do you see this team going? I will tell you this: as a long-suffering Bengals fan that goes back to the days of Carson Palmer, Rudy Johnson. 
uh, Cedric Benson and uh, Chad Johnson and T.J. Husmanzada back in the back in the late two thousand back in the late two thousands. This this is what I would say. This team can beat anybody and can hang with anybody if two things happen. They put their mind to it and they play up to their potential. They can go they can make as deep as a playoff run as anybody can in the AFC if they put their mind to it and they trust and they have the trust within themselves and they play up towards their potential. They don't beat themselves, no turnovers, limit the penalties, limit the self-inflicted mistakes, bro gets the ball out quick, decent protection by the offensive line. What I mean decent, that means bro gets sacked no more than twice during a span of a ball game. Defense creates turnovers and or is able to get off the field on third down, which they struggled with on Sunday a little bit, which would scare me if they have to play Kansas City uh, again later on in the postseason, knock on wood. But they did a hell of a job uh, keeping Kelsey and Hill in check, which I did not anticipate they do under any circumstances. And that defense also... should be commended and should be applauded for forcing Kansas City to a mere three points in the second half. And a tremendous play call decision by Lou Anarumo to send the edge to send the his uh, to send the edge rushers to force to force the incompletion out of Mahomes to uh to host a uh, or excuse me to force Kansas City to kick a uh to kick a uh, game tying field goal. But this team can go as far as it possibly can, if they put their minds to it and they play up to their potential and they limit the self-inflicted mistakes. Listen, they listen. They nearly beat the Green Bay Packers back in October. They, they nearly beat the Green Bay Packers. Coulda, shoulda beat them in all objectivity. And they and they just got finished beating a team that's gone to three straight AFC Championship games, have won back-to-back AFC Championships, been to two straight Super Bowls, Super Bowl champion two years removed, and a Super Bowl favorite and one of the hottest teams in the AFC heading into this game. They just beat them at home with a second-year quarterback and a wide receiving core that's, dare I say, without fear of contradiction, the best in all of football. And oh, by the way, although he didn't have an explosive game, a running back who is top three in rushing yards with over a thousand this season as well. And oh, and they also get some talent back that they lost during the season via injury. They get some of that back next year. They have money to spend for next year. And I would imagine they're going to do a damn good job of building up their secondary, their linebacker, and their offensive line positions coming up in the draft this upcoming spring. I'm proud of this team. 
I'm glad I'm a fan of this team. I'm happy Joe Burrow's my quarterback. I'm glad I and listen, I retweet I old takes my I old takes I old takes to expose myself on Sunday in case you didn't catch it on my Twitter feed. I got rid of the whole, you know, fire Zach Taylor, Cincinnati Bungles thing, Zach Taylor with the clown wig on. I got rid of all of that. And I wanted to admit what I when I'm wrong, because I was. And I could have been more I couldn't have been happier to be more wrong. Thank God I was wrong. Thank God I was wrong. And Zach Taylor coached the game of his life, of his life on Sunday. He coached his ass off. Ass off. I'm enjoy this ride. See where this team takes me. If it's to the divisional round. I expect a playoff win from them. I all I ask is one is it's one playoff win. Cause because if you get cause you do all this and you collapse in a wild card round like you always do, at least historically the Bengals franchise like they always do, it's gonna leave a sour taste in my mouth. But win a playoff game and everything from there on out is gravy. Just win that playoff game, please. That's all I ask. But it's been one hell of a season, and that was one hell of a football game on Sunday. Phenomenal job, Justin. You knew I was going to take. You know I was going to be long. If you think I was going to give you my two cents on this game and the Bengals winning division in about you know twenty twenty one twenty two minutes, you were sadly mistaken. The forty eight uh, forty nine minute monologue was not by accident; it was on purpose. Take a break. We'll get to Antonio Brown and the other uh, hijinks of Week Seventeen as the M Telecatias podcast continues. Back after this. Welcome back to the Amateur Like a T.I.S. podcast. Outside of the uh, Bengals upsetting the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs at home to win their division, there was another ridiculous shock to the football world that occurred on Sunday. And that was when Antonio Brown decided to cut a fool of himself, take off his, unif- take off his uniform, Chuck his T-shirt and whatever else he had on up in the up in the uh, up in the stands to uh, to fans in the stands at MetLife 
and jogged off the field and like saluted to the saluted and the fans walking across the field towards the back end zone away from all the action during the second half of Tampa's uh, game against the New York Jets at MetLife and essentially walked off the field and quit on, on, on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here is my two cents on the matter, okay? And if I sound harsh and if I sound like I could care less about, you know, Antonio Brown, well, that's done, that was, that's, it isn't, you know, by accident. Okay, here's the bottom line. Okay, Antonio Brown, and I uploaded a classic, at least I thought I did, uploaded a classic rant about Antonio Brown when he got into trouble with, with the whole controversy with him and the Raiders and the Patriots back during the 20, I believe it's the 2019 season two years ago. Uh, and that you know, Antonio Brown is a clown, and I have been on record of saying that, and I will continue to say that. Antonio Brown is a first-class clown. Antonio Brown is a first-class fool. Antonio Brown is a first-class waste of my freaking time. Antonio Brown is a first-class jackass. Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown's own worst enemy. Because Antonio Brown does not give a crap about anybody but himself. Always has been, always will be. And Antonio Brown is cancer personified within the sports world. Let me get this straight. So this man faked a vaccination card, which is a felony in this country. He faked a COVID-19 vaccination card. Got suspended three games by the National Football League for it. After Bruce Arians was on record of saying... One screw up, he screws up one time, he slips up one time, he's out. His margin of er- his margin of error is is practically nothing. He screws up one time, he 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 fouls up one time, we're cutting him. Goodbye. How you doing? Keep it moving. You know, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. Bruce Arians retreads, walks out with his tail in between his legs with his pants around his ankles, brings Antonio Brown back. Why? Because he got caught. His bluff was called. His hands were tied. He brought him back because he knew Antonio Brown was a damn good football player and that they needed him, especially considering the events in the Saint game, which they lost Chris Godwin for the season with a torn ACL. They brought him back. Yet, he walked off. Walked off the field. Hung him out to dry. Quit on him in the middle of a game. While they're contending for a championship. Playing playing late regular season football in in front of... Thousands in the stadium, millions watching on TV, just gets up, leaves, leaves, leaves the stadium, leaves the field. Hangs his team, and, and, and then looks like a complete idiot, you know, gesturing to the fans, jogging off the field. I mean, really? 
Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I don't care what Tom Brady wanted. I understand Tom Brady, and God bless Brady. He's uh, he's uh, essentially uh, compassionate towards Antonio Brown. He knows Antonio Brown ain't all the you know. He's 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 a couple tools short in the tool shed. He knows he's a few grapes short of a fruit salad. And Tom Brady, who who we've seen at least, especially since he's been to Tampa, that he is a phenomenal teammate. He cares about his, the people that he works with. He cares about his teammates. He cares about the other players on his football team. That's great, but I'm not Tom Brady. See, with me, I look at Antonio Brown a little differently than Brady does. When I look at Antonio Brown, I see a first-class clown. I see a criminal. I see a horrendous teammate. I see a diva. I see a distraction. I see a locker room cancer. I see a guy that is more interested in me, myself, and I than winning football games. Because... How soon we forget this was the same Antonio Brown that when the Steelers beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and this is long before Patrick Mahomes, when they beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the 2016 divisional round during their playoff run, this is this is what this is now, this is what five years, this is five years ago now who got on Facebook Live while Mike Tomlin was addressing the team post-game. Got on Facebook Live while Mike Tomlin is addressing the team. This is right after a game. Everybody's still in uniform. Antonio Brown's on Facebook Live. It's the same Antonio Brown that was throwing Gatorade coolers, throwing a fit on the sideline. When they played Baltimore a few seasons ago. Because he wasn't getting the ball. This is the same Antonio Brown. That damn near badly hurted, hurted, hurt a kid. And could have put a kid and whoever he was with in the freaking hospital. Throwing furniture off a 16th floor balcony. The same Antonio Brown. Who... Had, ses- had sexual misconduct issues held against him because 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 he because he was acting inappropriate around 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 massage people in his home. Super you know, text of him of of him supermanning women, domestic violence with his baby mamas. Not wanting to pay as lawyers, not want, not you know, asking people to do these these expensive uh, duties for him and stiffing him and not wanting to pay him, throwing a bag of gummy penises at people. I mean, you name it, you name it. Getting into getting into one of those those uh, those little ice therapy chambers. And not having a wherewithal to cover up his feet. Flipping out and holding out of, of, of Raiders training camp practices. Because the NFL wouldn't let him wear his specific helmet. His specific helmet model that they ruled was unsafe for him to wear. I mean the rap sheet 
is this that is, is as long as the rap sheet is Al Capone. You name the, the, the numerous, the numerous amounts of transgressions since that Facebook Live incident essentially back in the January of 2017. Five years ago now. You name it. Throwing his teammates under the bus, him flipping out and feeling he doesn't want to show up to work on time, not show up to practice when he was in Pittsburgh because because the franchise kind of placated to you know and, and kind of kissed the ring of Ben Roethlisberger. Throwing throwing his fellow Pittsburgh teammates under the bus. You name it. All up until the fake the 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 fraudulent choice and the fraudulent behavior of faking his vaccination card yet Bruce Arians was on record of saying one screw up he's gone one one one, one screw up one foul up that's it he's gone the man broke a crime or committed a crime Broke not just a league rule, but a federal rule of faking a COVID-19 vaccination card in the middle of a freaking pandemic. He wasn't cut. They called Bruce Arians bluff. And Bruce Arians, I hate to say this, but you deserve what you get. You and the Bucks organization, you deserve what you get. You heard the tune, you got to pay the piper. You deserve what you get. You made your own bet, you got to lay in it. Actions have consequences. You reap what you sow. Because he has been enabled so freaking much over the last five, six years by numerous amounts of individuals in Pittsburgh, in Oakland, in New England, and now with Tampa has been enabled that use that it was it was the perfect storm he was upset apparently allegedly that Gronk was getting more touches was getting was getting the ball thrown to him more than AB was AB didn't like it takes his ball and goes home and cries like a child takes off his pads takes off his uniform jogs walks off the field i mean seriously Quitting on your team in the middle of the game to once again bring all the attention back to you. You couldn't be more self-absorbed and more selfish and more self-centered. But this is the, but this is who Antonio Brown is. This is who Antonio Brown always has been and always will be. Him throwing Juju Smith-Schuster underneath the bus. Remember when he had that costly fumble in week 15 or 16 in that, in that Saints game, that Superdome, a game that, that the Steelers desperately needed to stay alive in the AFC playoff push? Remember that? And he threw Juju Smith-Schuster underneath the bus? Remember that? This is who Antonio Brown is. This is always. This is he's he's always he's always has been. been this is this is who he is. And people needed to wake up, get their head out of the sand, 
smell the coffee and say, you can't keep on rewarding him for his piss poor behavior by giving him a paycheck and a position on your football team. Because he's not the type where you keep him occupied with football, he keeps himself out of trouble. It's almost like it's the exact opposite. If he's on a football team, if he's getting paid, if he has a spot on the roster, the more and more likely it is for him to get himself into, into more and more trouble. And I just don't get this. Just the blatant stupidity and the practicing of insanity. I mean, where, where does it stop? Sexual misconduct, domestic violence, not wanting to not wanting to play, not wanting to 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 pay movers, not wanting to pay his own lawyer, his own agent. Throwing hissy fits on the sideline, throwing his teammates underneath the bus, faking a vaccination. I mean, where does it stop? Where does it end? What? What? what I mean, he. he He's practically done everything but kill somebody at this point. Where does it stop? At what point do you draw the line and say, you know what? Him acting like this, we're not going to employ him. He's not going to be on my football team. I could give a crap about how much Tom Brady likes him and how well he can run a, 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 a slant pattern or run an out route or run the shallow cross. I'm not interested because, yes, we're trying to win football games, but he does us no favors by being an off-the-field distraction and, get, and, get, and getting caught up with interfering with the law. Does yourself no favors. Because it's like, it, it's just, it gets worse and 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 worse. And everybody's like, well, because he can catch a football, you know, they think, they think, and their deluded minds, whether it was the Raiders, whether it was the Patriots, or whether it was now with the Timmy Buccaneers, somewhere, Gruden, Mayock, Belichick, Arians, somewhere, everyone was, 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 was so arrogant, and was so lost, and so tone deaf, thinking, you know what, I can control Antonio Brown. You can't control this nutcase. You can't keep him and hold him in check. He's like a child. You give him an inch, the inch was letting him stay on your team. When you swore up and down, one screw up, that's it, he's out of here. You give him an inch, he takes not one mile, but nine miles. And all I heard about, and Antonio Brown literally sat up there about a week or so ago and had the temerity, the audacity, the chutzpah, and he unmitigated, go to sit up and say, well, it's the media, the media, you twist things, you do this, you do that. Shut up. Okay? Shut up. We, we, didn't, take our, we didn't take our clothes off, get halfway naked in front of 60-plus thousand people at the Meadowlands and quit on our, on our teammates in the middle of a football game what, during, during, during the midst of a playoff push. We didn't do that. We didn't chuck furniture off, a, off, of, off of a 16th, 18th floor balcony. You did. We didn't Superman a woman. And later threaten her. You did. 
We didn't walk around practically naked with a with a washcloth over our Johnson, and 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 in front in front of a masseuse, a female masseuse. You did. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't go on Facebook Live during our head coach's post post game team meeting. You did. You did. You did those things. Not the media. Media ain't making this up. All the media is is reporting and giving their takes, their reaction, their opinion on the foolishness you created. On your self-inflicted mistakes. On your shortcomings. On your crimes. On your wrongdoings. Media ain't making this up, pulling pulling it out of their behind, making it up for a story. You're at fault. The media didn't didn't submit a fake vaccination card to the to the National Football League officials. You did. So 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 when at some point is 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 it Antonio Brown's fault where he looks himself in the mirror and says, you know what? It's on me. It's not on Brady. It's not on Arians. It's not on the media. It's on me. When does he take some responsibility? I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's enough. And again, can the league wise up and say, you know what? This guy has no business being on a football field. We can't keep on rewarding him, rewarding his bad behavior by giving him employment. He needs to sit down for a while and get himself together. It's just like a child. You don't discipline a child. You don't tell the child no. You don't stand up to your child. You don't discipline the child. He's just going to get worse and worse. And everybody else can feel sorry for him. He ain't getting no sympathy from me. He, he isn't. Antonio Brown, Antonio Clown. Always has been, always will be. Back right after this. Welcome back to the I'm Telling You TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the rest of the Week 17 action in the National Football League. We begin with the Rams and Ravens game. Uh, you know, as the Rams took care of business and beat the Ravens 20-19 as they look to take the uh, NFC West Division title. Here's my uh, two cents on the. I'll, I'll get to the Ravens first, but I want to get my Rams point out of the way and then on we go here in this program. Um, first off, you know, Matthew Stafford and I, and listen, I said this last week after their, after their win against the Vikings, I said it on Twitter during the game, during the Ravens game on Sunday, and I'll say it again. The Los Angeles Rams could have, could bring the fearsome foursome back from the dead, 
could bring them back along with Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, uh, and have and have uh, and ha- they could bring them all. I don't f- bring the fearsome force them back from the dead. Line them up with Aaron Donald with Jalen Ramsey playing at corner. Okay. They could, they they could, they and they could, and they could bring literally every single. They they could bring Lawrence Taylor. I understand he wasn't a Ram, but I'm trying to make a point. They could put Lawrence Taylor on this defense. The Los Angeles Rams ain't winning squat if Matthew Stafford keeps on throwing the football to the wrong team. And this is why when the trade was made for him during Super Bowl week of last year, why I was not one of those who said, you know what, Rams automatic Super Bowl contender. You know what, Rams NFC contender. You know what, the Rams are going to be the ones that's going to, that's going to give the uh, Green Bay Packers a hard, the hardest uh, time to win the NFC conference uh, at, you know, with uh, with Matthew Stafford going up against Aaron Rodgers, I was not in that camp. Never have been. Never will be. You can go and check the tapes. You can check the tweets. I was I I I did not like at all. I like the fact that they got rid of Jared Goff who stunk, but Matthew Stafford, in my eyes, in my opinion, was a piss poor replacement for Matthew Stafford. I don't care who you have on defense. I understand Jalen Ramsey's great. I understand Aaron Donald is great. They mean nothing. 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 And you could sign you could sign Odell Beckham Jr., have Cooper Cup and get and get Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt from the greatest show on turf ram teams and put Marshall Falk in the backfield to split the carries with uh, with so- with Sony Michelle and Cam Akers means absolutely nothing. Nothing. If Matthew Stafford's gonna turn over the football three three plus times in a sequence of a football game. Means nothing. You could, you could again. The great, you could bring back the every single component of the of the greatest show on turf. You could bring Isaac Bruce back. You could bring Tory Holt back. You can bring uh, Robert Evans, or excuse me, Robert Woods off of IR with his torn ACL back. You can have him and Ode- you could have them all, Odell included, all on the field. You could, you can have Marshall Falk. And Sony Michelle in the backfield until the cows come home. On defense, you can have you can bring the fearsome foursome back from the dead. Line them up alongside Aaron Donald with Jalen Ramsey at corner. I don't care who you put on this Ram team. I don't care who you have on the roster. If number nine behind center keeps throwing, keeps throwing. Multiple interceptions at infinitum and keeps on turning over the football and throwing the ball to the wrong team and keeping the opposition in a in a ball game over over the span of over the span of three four quarters. You're you're not winning a Super Bowl. Not we ha- not not winning the same conference. You have to go up against Brady and you have and you have to go up against Aaron Rodgers. It's not happening. I'm sorry. It's it's not it's it's a harsh truth, but it's a truth that y'all need to realize. That you Matthew Stafford pom pom, uh, wa- waivers out there, got you got to understand that.
Odell, you can you can have Odell, Isaac, Bruce, and Torrey Holt all on the same team. If number nine is throwing pick sixes and costing you guys possessions and and giving and giving opposing defenses free seven points, you ain't winning a Super Bowl. Not when the NFC still has Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in it that you have to beat in order to get to a Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. The fact that Matthew Stafford was absolutely abysmal in the first half of that game was, 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 that was downright embarrassing. He was 12 of 21, 147 passing yards, and threw two interceptions in the first half. One touchdown pass was absolutely atrocious. Now, he made up for it because he was excellent in the second half, 14 of 14, 162, threw a touchdown pass. But in the first half, when Brady and or Rodgers is on the opposing sideline, 12 to 21, two interceptions, one of them being a pick six, who Stafford leads the universe in throwing, is not a recipe for NFC slash Super Bowl championship style football. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't care who who I don't care who his teammates are. I could care less how great of a coach McVay is. I could care less how great of a play caller McVay is. I don't care if Cooper Cup if Cooper Cup breaks every single wide receiving record known to man since since the beginning of the National Football League dating back to nineteen twenty. I could care less. If Matthew Stafford is inept, if Matthew Stafford if Matthew Stafford misses open receivers, if Matthew Stafford keeps on throwing to the wrong freaking team, if Matthew Stafford gets strip sacked behind the line of scrimmage, you're not winning football games. It is that simple. That simple. And his performance, now because of the fact he has a good defense and because of the fact Cooper Cup is on his team, he got away with it twice back in back-to-back weeks on the road against the Vikings and against Baltimore. But now, you, now you're kind of starting, if, if you're looking at this logically and you, and you know how to piece and how to put the puzzle pieces together, you now all of a sudden start to see why he and the Detroit Lions never won anything because the Detroit because all it is is that Matthew Stafford stunk and Matthew Stafford didn't have a good enough team around him to bail Matthew Stafford out of you know out of his shortcomings and his and his self-inflicted mistakes that that's what that essentially is what you're seeing what you're seeing is that if Matthew Stafford, you know, played the way he did in the in the Ram, it was, it was not the Ram, the Ravens and the Vikings game in back-to-back weeks, if he played the exact same way he did in those two previous games, the Detroit Lions lose both of those games. It's because of the fact that he's on the Rams with a better coach and a better roster and a better group of players around him is why he's why he got bailed out twice in back-to-back weeks. Cause Matthew Stafford in a Lion game knows good and freaking well that that he wouldn't have, that he wouldn't have won those games. And and your teammates, your defense, Odell, Cooper Cup can only bail you out, but for so long. You go, you went up against a Minnesota Vikings team last week that 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 was self destructing before our very eyes, and you went up against a JV practice squad Ravens team with no Lamar Jackson for yet another week. 
if you're the Rams that's got Super Bowl aspirations, there was no the, uh, all I hear about Matthew Stafford this and Matthew Stafford that and Matthew Stafford got snubbed for the Pro Bowl and seeing Cooper Cup break all these records and leading and damn near every wide receiving category in the NFL. Well, if that's the case. And all that's fine and dandy, and you got a good defense with Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jim. There, there was no reason in the world why the Rams couldn't have replicated and or duplicated the Bengals' performance against Baltimore the week prior. You got a much better offensive line. I understand COVID, but we, COVID, everybody's got to do with COVID, all right? You had your quarterback, had Cooper Cup, you had Odell, Aaron Donald's playing, win the, win the, win, win the freaking football game. Cooper Cup's the first player in NFL history with at least 1,800 receiving yards, 15 TD catches, and 125 receptions in a single season. No reason in the world why the Rams couldn't have dropped 50 on Baltimore on on Sunday afternoon. No no reasoning, no excuse. C- Cincinnati can, why can't you? And 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 every and and it was a good and everybody expected the Rams to be good and quite a few people picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. Outside of outside of uh, you know outside of a couple people here and there, a handful of people, nobody expected the Bengals to be as good as they have been this season, especially on offense. Nobody expected that, and they dropped the and they and they dropped forty one points on the Ravens. Rams only dropped twenty, won that game by the hair of their chinny chin chin, and the Rams got a much better offensive line. Got a better defense, and they only beat the Ravens by a point. For a Super Bowl contending team, that ain't something to be proud of. Again, I don't care who you have on defense. I don't care what they can bring in. They they can bring an Odell. I don't care. They can bring in every. They can trade for Devontae Adams and 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 trade for Derrick Henry. Means nothing if Matthew Stafford's going to keep on turning over the football. Means absolutely nothing. Nothing. Means nothing. Protect the football. Period. Because you may get away with that playing the Minnesota Vikings, who are going to who missed the playoffs. Or you may get away with that against a Ravens team running on, running on oxygen, hypothetically speaking. But against the Green Bay Packers. Against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all that's going to do for you, Matt Stafford, is give you, McVay, and your teammates a first class and, and, and the first soonest ticket on the, on the chartered flight back to LAX. And when, and when Aaron Rodgers and or Brady is sitting up media day, you know, you know, playing, playing, and 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 in your locker room at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, and you're sitting on your caucus home with your season, with your season having been over, you know, for 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 three weeks. You'll know why. You'll know why. But you know, give give Odell credit. You know, it made a nice catch. Made a nice catch to keep the drive alive inside the red zone for the Rams. 
uh, and also caught the what ended up being a game-winning touchdown pass. Odell, although he didn't put up gaudy numbers, had a nice afternoon, five receptions, 39 yards, caught the touchdown pass. Had a pretty decent afternoon outside of the fact of when he inexplicably, for whatever the reason, felt the urge to punch uh, Chuck, Clark, Chuck Clark and his booty pipe uh, when, he, when he caught uh, Stafford's second interception in the afternoon, which made absolutely no sense. But anyway, I digress. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens had a stat for them. Uh, Baltimore Ravens are the first team in over 25 years to lose five straight games after starting the season eight and three. Uh, and is that the only stat I had for them? Yes, it is. The Tennessee Titans win their division, uh, win their division back-to-back AFC South championships uh, for uh, for the Tennessee Titans. Small possibility that get uh, Derrick Henry will be able to give it a go in Week 18. They will have him for the playoffs. Tennessee is sitting pretty at the number one seed in the AFC because my Bengals took care of business against Kansas City, and the Titans have the tiebreaker over the Kansas City Chiefs for the number one spot. They took care of business. The Titans did against the Dolphins, 34 to three, ending the Miami Dolphins' seven-game uh, uh, losing sh- or excuse me winning streak and uh, essentially putting an end uh, to uh, what has been a very weird, peculiar peculiar up-and-down season for the Miami Dolphins. Foreman, you know, Matona Krennic really did uh, carry the heavy workload on the ground. 26 carries, 132 rushing yards, and a touchdown for Tennessee on Sunday afternoon. Uh, And then you have the, uh, the Vegas Raiders took care of business against the Indianapolis Colts. Beating them twenty three to twenty, you know I didn't expect Carson Wentz to play this game. I did pick the Raiders though, which I ended up looking like a genius as the Raiders. You know Derek Carr played a good game twenty four thirty one two fifty five through two bad interceptions and uh, threw a touchdown pass in the game. Uh, and uh, how about Jones, uh, Jones, their wide receiver, eight receptions, one hundred and twenty yards. Hunter Renfro caught the squads only uh, receiving touchdown on the afternoon. As the Vegas Raiders, uh, you know, when we thought that their that their season was over, they're done, they're finished. Same old Raiders, you know, same old November December collapse. All the off the field distractions, they're not going anywhere. Well, now the Raiders are sitting in a position where if they beat the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday Night Football coming up on Sunday the ninth, they they are going to make the playoffs as the seventh and final. Uh, as the seventh seed, seventh and final seed in the AFC, and the third and final wild card spot in the AFC playoffs. Colts they fall to they fall to nine and seven on the season, four and five at home in Lucas Oil Stadium. Carson Wentz was not great under any circumstances. Sixteen to twenty-seven threw for a buck forty-eight, got sacked. Through one touchdown pass, Jonathan Taylor though had a great had a good day at the office. Twenty carries on a buck away and a touchdown for Indianapolis as the uh, Colts uh, defense hung them out to dry during the uh, final drive of the Raiders later on in the uh, later on in regulation. Uh, the Patriots are back in the playoffs with a with a f- tremendous beatdown 
are the Jacksonville Jaguars taking care of business, blowing them out by 40 points, 50-10, to 10, the final score of that one. They clinched their first playoff berth since uh, 2019, last time they made the playoffs. Of course, that was Brady's final season as the I told you the I told you, I don't think I picked the Patriots to make the playoffs, but I did pick them to win ten plus games this season. I expected them to be competitive in the and to compete for a wild card spot. And you know, and if you and if you didn't expect the Patriots to win at least nine to ten games this season, I didn't expect them to complete excuse me, compete for a playoff spot in the AFC. You were living on planet delusional. Bill Belichick weren't going to go back-to-back seasons without a playoff berth, watching Tommy and them down in Tampa, uh, you know, sugar and spice, peaches and cream, uh, winning Super Bowls left and right down in uh, Tampa Bay, Florida, as the Patriots clinched their first playoff berth uh, in two seasons by the final score of 50-10. to 10. Mac Jones will play playoff football at, during his rookie year of his uh, NFL, of his young NFL career. The Philadelphia Eagles, give a lot of credit to them. And listen, with the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, a lot was said, a lot was made well, about Philadelphia, about Howie Roseman and, and Jeffy Lordy owner and rumblings that was dysfunctional there. Howie Roseman needs to go. Poor drafting, bad free agency signings, weak offensive line. You know they haven't have been able to draft wide, which is which is relevant. Screwing up the Carson Wentz Nick Foles dynamic, which I know those are fair and honest points, but here's something that need, that they need that that Roseman and Lord need to be commended for. Out of the last five seasons, last five seasons, the Philadelphia Eagles have made the playoffs. Four times out of the last five years. Which, which, at least in my opinion, from my vantage point, goes unnoticed. Last five seasons, they've, they've been in the playoffs four times. Four times. 17 when they won the Super Bowl. 18 after that, they won a playoff game. And if a ball didn't go, and if a Nick Foles pass didn't go through... The hands of Alshon Jeffrey, they would have they would have played in back to back NFC Championship games as a wild card team for crying out loud, uh, or as a yeah as a wild card team. Twenty nineteen, they won their division, lost the playoff game to the Seahawks. That's when DK Metcalf went nuts and and Josh McCown had to, had to take over for Carson Wentz, who exited the game early with a concussion. Missed the playoffs in 2020, which was an utter disaster. And in this season, they guarantee themselves yet another winning season with their ninth one beating Washington 20 to 16 when Philadelphia slept walk through the first half of that through the first half of that game as well. Beating Washington 20 to 16, improving to nine and seven on the season, and a and a very impressive six and three record away from Lincoln Financial Field. Eagles deserve credit. They deserve, he deserves, the Eagles organization deserves credit. 
Roseman now and listen he screwed up with he, he, and his off his you know his ability to to put together a decent offensive line of course has been suspect one of the reasons why many Eagles fans were calling for his job his ability or lack thereof prior to the drafting of my guy Devonta Smith this past spring of being able to draft and being able to scout and evaluate wide receiver talent you know and and how the Eagles for a good for a, a, quite a few years had one of the worst wide receiving corps in all of football uh so you know the mishandling of the of the Wentz Nick Foles dynamic which which again is all fair and all equal honest criticism but at but in the same breath They've had one losing season and have gone one season in the last five years without making the playoffs and with a sub-500 record. One season, and that was in 2020. Four out of the last five years they've made the playoffs. Which, listen, I understand, you know, are, are the Eagles a Super, Bowl, a Super Bowl contender? Hell no. But making the playoffs and winning nine, ten games throughout the course of a season is still winning nine at nine, nine plus games plus five hundred record and making the playoffs. Just because they're not, just because they're not a Super Bowl contender, that's let's 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 not at, in the same breath poo poo what Nick Sirianni, who I who I be honest who, and be transparent, I was not in love with the hire. I thought it was it was it was just a garbage waste of my time. A laughable hire, laughable mistake. He looks like he's a pretty decent coach his first year in. First year in, he's got his team in the playoffs. And Jalen Hurts, who, you know, is he the long-term answer? Possibly. Maybe. Maybe so. But sure plays hella hard for Philadelphia. 17-26, 214, didn't turn over the football, got sacked one time. On the ground, seven carries, 44 yards, and the Philadelphia Eagles are one of the best uh, rushing attacks in all the NFC, in the NFC, and if not of all of football. Give Sirianni, give Jalen Hurts, give Lurie, give uh, Roseman a ton of credit. Four, four out of the last five seasons, the Eagles have been playing January football. You know that that you know I, I understand you want you may you know seven C take it with a grain of salt. Got got to be fair, got to be fair. Every people have have killed and criticized them and rightfully so for for the for the for their for their front office decisions essentially since that since that Super Bowl in 2017. But you got to be fair. Four out of the last five seasons, this team's playing January football. And have won nine nine or more games. Not 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 too many other franchises can say that. The Giants, within their own division, being one of them. Got to be fair. Hell of a job. Take a break. Wrap up the program and wrap up the Week Seventeen recap. Coming up right after this.
Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now as we wrap up the week 17 recap with a couple of quick items before we say goodnight. And that is the fact that the and that we get to the Arizona Cardinals, who took care of business against the Dallas Cowboys by the final score of 25-22 as Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals uh, get back on track and snap their little skid that they've been on as of recently, improving to 11 and five on the season, eight and one. It's hard to be. I mean, outside of the Lion game, which has been their only true and only foul up on the road this season, you almost get the sense that the Cardinals are a much looser team. They play better. There's there's less pressure on Kyler Murray. It's just like they're a totally different football team when they play on the road than you know than when they play at State Farm Stadium over in Glendale. Kyler Murray is absolutely immaculate when he's playing at eight at AT and T Stadium, dating back you know he's from Texas, dating back to the high school games he played at played in that stadium, his days at Oklahoma playing at that stadium. He is in his in his few starts that he's had as a member of the Arizona Cardinals, the NFL. He is undefeated in AT and T Stadium. So that's just the place where Kyler Murray just feels the most comfortable. 26 of 38, 263 through two touchdown passes on the afternoon. Um, and uh, Christian Kirk, leading receiver with 79 yards. A.J. Green, not bad. Uh, as the Cardinals defense really did a nice job. And this, you know, outside of the Cardinals getting back on track, from a Dallas Cowboy perspective, you got to be very, very concerned about them and, uh, and like, their offense. Because if it, it, Outside of the outside of the 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 uh, the Buccaneer game opening night of the season when they took Tampa to task, and outside of uh, the their overtime win in October against the Patriots, they do not play well against top tier playoff contending talent. Uh, and you just see, you've seen it all season long. You know, Raiders have a chance to make the playoffs. They lost to them in overtime, 36-33, and their defense was horrendous. The Saints stink. They beat them. Washington stunk. They swept them. Uh, the Giants, you know, are just are offensive to the senses. They they uh, they've uh, swept them this season. Had no business beat. Had no business being them. With Denver being the only outlier. Now Philadelphia is a playoff team. They did beat them. They still got to play Philadelphia the on that sun on that Saturday night coming up on uh, Saturday. Uh, so we'll see if they'll be able to. Now the game means nothing for Dallas outside of possibly stealing the two seed, but uh, but they still got to play Philly, who's a playoff team with a winning record at nine and seven. But outside of the Tampa game, which they which offensively they played well, put up twenty nine points, and they lost by two. Uh, at the opening game of the season. Outside of that game, which they lost, the Denver game is the only outlier to this. But outside of that, and uh, and uh, and the um, just said it, the Patriot game on October the seventeenth when they won in overtime, thirty-five twenty-nine. The Dallas Cowboys, you know, beat the beat the crap out of the garbage and underperform and underachieve. Against uh, against higher level against higher end competition, 
uh, again with the with the Denver with the getting ambushed by Denver 30 to 16 on November the 7th being the only outlier. I mean, they lost their offense didn't show up against Kansas City when they lost 19 to 9 in that game. Uh, they got ambushed in overtime Thanksgiving by the Raiders in their building. I mean, it's just when, when, it, when they know how to be up, they know how to beat up on the garbage. But you put a playoff contender, you know, in their sights. The Dallas Cowboys, nine times out of ten, are going to come up pretty small, especially on the offensive side of the football. And you know, listen, I I, I understand many people don't want to hear it, but let's face it about Dak Prescott. He he's 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 overrated. And let's call it like we see it. The only reason why the guy has made as big of a big of a deal and big of a deal as a quarterback as he is is because of the star he wears on his helmet. If he played for the Jacksonville Jaguars or played if he played for the Jacksonville Jaguars or the or the Carolina Panthers, Dak Prescott would not would not be held in such high conversation with elite quarterbacks as he has been over the last couple of seasons. 34-38 through for two twenty six. Uh, and, and really didn't wake up until the until the final frame when he realized, oh, holy crap, we have actually have a chance to win this game, and it's you know here I come to save the day. You know, Mighty Mouse is on the way. The fact that this team cannot run the football is extremely, extremely, extremely damning and extremely concerning. You can't be a Super Bowl contending team and not be able to run the football. I say, I say it with Buffalo, and Buffalo has no decent running back talent to cho- to choose from. The Dallas Cowboys do. When Dak Prescott is your leading rusher with five carries, twenty yards. That 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 warning sign should go off, sirens should go off, and a panic button should be hit. You got you got Pollard and you got Zeke Elliott, who were good for combined a twelve combined carries for for what uh, for twenty for twenty for twenty five yards. I mean, really, really. This is why you can't take the Cowboys seriously. This is why you can't take Dak Prescott seriously. Beat up on the garbage, and they and they and they come up small against the top tier against the top tier uh, competitive, dangerous opponents, playoff contending opponents. I mean, it's the same old Cowboys, same old, same old, same old Cowboys. Again, and also same. I understand they were playing from deficit, but again, I don't know how many times to tell you this. You, you put the ball in the quarterback stands thirty-five to plus times in a game. You know, you, you, nine times on a consistent basis on a game and game out basis. That's not a recipe for winning, and it's not a recipe for long-term success. Yet it's it's put the ball in Dak's hands, and he'll what he does, he brings a short. People were killing McCarthy for not having a timeout to challenge. That fumble, that uh, that fumble, um, you know, when that just speaks to Mike McCarthy and his just ability not to be able to pay attention and read the ebb and flow of the game properly, he also is going to cost Dallas in the postseason too. Just a matter of time when Dallas is, you know, is their own worst enemy. Dak Prescott's not a championship, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Uh, Zeke Elliott is shot. You know the day will Jerry Jones will rule the day that he gave in to Zeke's holdout in Cabo and gave him all that money. He hasn't done a damn thing since he's gotten his money. And then Mike McCarthy, you know, who can't manage manage or coach a game out of a paper bag if his life depended on it. 
uh, as, uh, as the Cardinals take care of business, stay in the thick of things in the NFC West, beating Dallas 25, uh, beating Dallas 25-22, improving to 11-6 and uh, on the season. And then you have the Green Bay Packers, won't spend too much time on them. They lock up the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, the Vikings, who are just an absolute waste of my time, no Kirk Cousins, uh, COVID Kirk, you know, I guess he must have gotten his bubble because he got sick with COVID the Friday before the game was a no-go. Sean Mannion had to go in his place. They deserve what they get. How you doing? Keep it moving. See you next season. Minnesota Vikings and an absolute snooze fest. Waste of my freaking time of a Sunday night football game that I know that should have been, A, should, shouldn't have been punched into the schedule when the schedule was made last spring. And should have been flexed out of there, you know, two weeks prior. Why they kept that game, I have no idea. And the NFL deserved to get burned. Uh, deserved to get burned with that game. Be curious to see what the ratings are. As the, as the Green Bay Packers lock up the number one seed in the NFC. No, if the Green Bay Packers don't get to a Super Bowl, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't win another Super Bowl, you know, his legacy takes a hit. He personally and professionally takes it because all all the confusion with the with the with the with the being cryptic about the toe injury and the whole COVID nonsense, then and, and and all the foolishness heading into the season, they don't want a Super Bowl. You know, it's enough of Aaron Rodgers. This if, if this is their season to win the Super Bowl, this is their season. Put up a shut up time. And Big Ben rides into the sunset playing his final ever Monday Night Football game and his final ever home game uh, of, his, of his Hall of Fame NFL career. Pittsburgh Steelers uh, take care of business. 26-14. JJ, or excuse me, TJ White is, is an absolute menace. He's a sack and a half away from, uh, from Michael Strahan's single season uh, sack record. He was just absolutely phenomenal. He was just absolutely phenomenal on the night. I mean, my goodness gracious, T.J. Watt uh, finished the night with four sacks, three tackles for the for a loss on the night on Monday night. He was just absolutely positively sensational as the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers once again. I don't know how, but they did. Uh, they they make me eat crow somewhat by not having a sub five hundred season yet again. They will finish no worse than eight eight and one. The best they can finish is nine eight and one. Or excuse me, uh, nine seven and one. Worst they can finish is eight eight and one. Najee Harris had a career night as well. Put the game on ice in the closing minutes of uh, the fourth quarter. Twenty eight carries, one hundred and eighty eight rushing yards for Najee Harris. He also had a phenomenal night on the offensive side of the football. For the on the part of the Pittsburgh Steelers as well as Ben Roethlisberger rides into the sunset. No doubt, sure doubt about it. First, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, best quarterback of the 2004 draft class. In my opinion, the only Hall of Fame quarterback out of that 2004 quarterback draft class. Philip Rivers is not a Hall of Famer. Eli Manning, outside of two Super, not a Hall of Fame quarterback under any circumstances. He will get in in five years in his home state of Canton, or excuse me, his home state of Ohio in Canton. Uh, when it's all said and done, you know, in 2020, what, 2026, 2027. Uh, so props to Ben Rock. I've never been a huge fan of him, obviously, being a Bengals fan. I respect the hell out of Ben Roethlisberger, the player. Ben Roethlisberger, the person I really, you know, don't really care for. 
I, unlike quite a few other people, were not, you know, moved to tears and bawling my eyes out when he did the Cal Ripken victory lap around Hines at the end of the game and was swarmed by the media and hugged his children on his way, walking off the field and walked into the tunnel as if it was this ending scene of a sports movie with his wife. And I didn't, I didn't shed a tear. I was, my heart was not touched. My heartstrings was not pulled by that. But you know, hi, but you know, God bless Ben Roethlisberger, first ballot Hall of Famer. He gets the job done, and then of course Baker Mayfield, you know, absolutely stinks. I mean, a he 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 holds on to the ball way, 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 way too long. He he, you know, his offensive line isn't that. I understand T.J. Watt is that great, but and his offensive line ain't that bad. He got sacked nine times on Monday night. A good half of those could have been prevented if Baker Mayfield just figured out what the heck he wanted to do with the football. It was just absolutely atrocious. Inaccurate passes left and right. Missing wide open receivers. Now his receivers in the same breath dropped many a passes that hit him right in the bread basket. I can remember an Austin Hooper drop early in the first quarter uh, which was which was huge. That, uh, that cost him early in the game. 16-38, a buck 85, two interceptions, sacked nine, sacked nine times, absolutely putrid. Putrid, putrid, putrid. They, Cleveland's got to move on from him. They, they got to. I mean, they, they got, they, you know, they, they, got, they got one of the best off. They got a locked up, signed, sealed, delivered, very good offensive line, best running back in all football in Nick Chubb, Decent tight end in Hooper, very good wide receiver in Jarvis Landry. If I am the GM and if I'm Kevin Stefanski, who who they did not draft and Baker Mayfield was not their decision, by the way, so they owe no quote-unquote loyalty to Baker Mayfield whatsoever. Well, I do pick up the phone and see if Russell Wilson and or Aaron Rodgers wants to, wants to come to Cleveland because Cleveland is in a win, is in a win now is in a is in a playoff contention win now type of state with an offensive line, decent weapons around them, and a very good defense. You put Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson on the Cleveland Browns, they're back to being a Super Bowl contender. Got a great line that's signed for for a good amount of time. Excellent running game with Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry's no no slouch. He's an excellent wide receiver. Austin Hooper's good, and they got a phenomenal defense. Phenomenal. Not to mention, you bring Russell Wilson and, or you bring Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers into Cleveland. You also can attract some free agent, some free agency talent along with it. You know, you convince Aaron Rodgers to come to Cleveland, and you know he might bring Devontae Adams with him. You just never know. But the, but they, but they got to move on from Baker Mayfield, who and, and and it's so ridiculously crazy, the fall from grace and the fall from just supreme talent that we've seen in Baker. I mean, last it, it it was not too long ago where last January Baker Mayfield was cutting up and eating up that Pittsburgh Steelers defense for dinner in that wild card game last January. Had won that long ago, won that long ago where the Cleveland Browns were were a third and long and a fourth and inches away from going to the AFC Championship game. 
I mean, <laughs> what what a difference a year makes. But but they but they gotta move on from him. They can't give him a big time contract. They gotta move on from him. Put a call. See if the get see if the Sean Watson's interested. If he can get this legal situation stuff taken care of, and see if Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers wants to come to Cleveland. Because Cleveland, I understand it's Cleveland, Ohio. It's not a sexy city. It's not an attractive city. It's cold. It's on the water. It's AFC North football. Got to play the Steelers, Bengals, and Ravens twice a year. I get that. It's not flashy Chicago or flashy New York or, 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 or Denver in the high altitude and all that sort of stuff. You got to get, Cleveland is the best. Cleveland and Denver are the two best places to go if Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers want to move on from Seattle and Green Bay at the end of the season. Denver and Cleveland. Both got good defenses, strong running game, and 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 very good wide receiving talent. You get you if where if either of those two quarterbacks decide to decide to sign and go to those teams, they are automatic instant Super Bowl contenders. You go to the Giants. I've heard rumblings. Well, Russell Wilson go to the Giants. They ain't gonna make that much of a difference. If, if he 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 at at, th- at this rate, he's better off staying in Seattle than going to the Giants. The Giants are that bad right now. But but the Browns got to move on from Baker Mayfield, or else it's it's going to be right back to square one with them, unless unless this down season is a fluke, and he gets a torn labrum surgery, heals himself up. And he goes out there and sets the world on fire like, like he did the second half of last season. But that, in my honest opinion, is extremely, extremely unlikely. But I don't know. I'd I'd go out there and see if I could get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers worst way imaginable. That's just me. But anyway, that's your show and another episode of the Amtelkatiyas podcast in the books. If you like what you heard, new to the program, please do not hesitate to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Pray yours surely can get his Instagram account back, which was hacked uh, last week, last week and a half. Uh, get Facebook on that. If you know something, if you know a friend, be a friend, tell a friend. It's your boy Jay Shields. Talk to you Friday. Y'all take care. See ya.